Well, hey everyone, it is so good to be with you. My name is Lynn. Um, can I just say, it is so awesome to have some of you in the room with me today. I have had the chance to speak a few times here at Blackhawk, but if you can believe it, this is my first time with actual people here. So thank you so much for being here today, and hello to all of you watching online and at Fitchburg and downtown. It is so good to be with you today. As Rachel said, we are going through a series called Greater where each week we are looking at how the story of Easter continued to unfold in the days and in the weeks following the resurrection. And today we are going to look at Peter's life. We're going to look at Peter's life by looking at John chapter 21. And our topic for today is greater love. We're gonna be looking at the topic of love. And so with that, we are jumping in with a story that took place just one week after Jesus had risen from the dead. So let's jump into John 21 now. It starts like this. It says, afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. Okay, so right away, we see that they're in Galilee. Well, that's interesting. They're not in Jerusalem anymore. What are they doing in Galilee? This is where they lived, this is where they worked three years earlier before they even met Jesus. So why are they back there now? What's going on? Well, let's keep reading. It goes on, it says, it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Okay, anybody here like to fish? Do we have anybody in the room, online? Okay, lots of people like to fish. So let me just tell you, I don't know much about fishing. <laughs> like, I have gone fishing once or twice in my life, but I happen to be married to a guy who loves fishing. My husband, AJ, it's like one of his favorite things to do, to take a weekend, unplug, get out of town, and go fishing. It's restful for him. He recharges that way. Yeah, that's, that's not what's happening here in John 21. These guys are not on some restful getaway. This is not a weekend retreat. No, it says that they were fishing at night. They were fishing at night. Do you know who generally fishes at night? Career fishermen. Career fishermen typically fish at night. This tells us something really important about what is going on here. Peter and the disciples are back in Galilee where they used to live, and they're back in their boats fishing for fish like they used to fish. And let's not forget, it has been one week since Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead. So again, what is going on here? It says that the disciples had been out fishing all night. It had been a long night. And check it out. It says that they caught nothing. They caught no fish. No fish. Okay, this doesn't exactly make me wanna pick up fishing. I'm just gonna put that out there. But it was a long night and they caught no fish. So what is going on? Why are they back in Galilee? Why are they back in their old stomping grounds? Why have they returned to their boats? 
Let's keep reading and see what happens. It says, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Okay, so it's early in the morning. The guys have been fishing all night. They haven't caught anything. And then Jesus appears on the shore. And they don't even realize it's him. They don't recognize him yet. And Jesus calls out to them. And I love it that he calls them friends. He says, friends, have you caught any fish? (laughs) Of course he knows they haven't. And he tells them what to do with their nets. And sure enough, they end up catching so many fish. At this point, these guys must have been beginning to wonder, who is this guy? Who is it who's on the shore calling to us? And how does he know like where all the fish are, right? Well, here's what we read in verse 7. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. The disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John. We're reading his account of this event right now. And John, it's like he's having a clicking moment right here. He's saying, yeah, wait a minute, I know who it is. I know who's on the shore calling out to us. It's Jesus. It appears like he is maybe remembering an event of something that had actually happened before. Maybe you already caught this, but we are seeing a repeat event of something that happened in their lives. In fact, if we look back to Luke chapter five, we can see the story of how Jesus first called these guys to be his followers. They were out on the boat, they were fishing, doing their jobs, and look what happened. We're looking back into Luke chapter five. He said to Simon, put out into deep water and let the nets down for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. We've seen this before. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Wow, can you imagine this? Yeah, they've seen this before. John is right. It is the Lord. He is realizing that this is a repeat event of something that has happened before. Both times, the guys had been out fishing all night. Both times, they caught no fish. And both times, Jesus came to them, directed them what to do with their nets, and they ended up catching so many fish. It was a miraculous catch of fish. And not only that, but this was not the type of day that these guys would forget. This was the day that they left everything and followed Jesus. 
This was the day they became Jesus followers. So yes, John is remembering. He knows it's the Lord. So let's jump back into John 21. John has just identified it's Jesus on the shore. And look at what happens next. Look how Peter responds. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. Okay, I just need to say, I love this scene. I love this picture. Peter hears that it's Jesus. He learns it's the Lord. And he's like, uh, you guys, I'm gonna leave you on the boat. Like, you can tow all these fish in. I see Jesus, like, I've gotta go. And he jumps in the water and he takes off to get to Jesus. Like, hold on a minute. Can you even picture this? Have you ever been so excited to see somebody that you would literally jump in the water full on in your clothes and swim 100 yards just to get to them? Have you ever been so anxious to see somebody? And, and he was already in a boat. <laughs> like, he didn't have to do that. He could have waited just a little bit longer, and he could have been dry when he got to the shore. But Peter could not wait to see Jesus. He had no time to waste. Let's keep reading and see what happens as they get to the shore it says, when they landed, they saw a fire burning of coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. It says that they caught 153 fish. <laughs> and it says that they were large, and these fish were actually tilapia fish, to be exact. Now, have you ever seen tilapia before? Some of you have seen tilapia. Some of you have had tilapia. I'm gonna put a picture up of tilapia for those of you who may be like me that were like, what's that? I'm not exactly sure. This is a tilapia fish. Okay, I needed to talk to AJ and do some research. Now, there are different species of tilapia, but the type that they most likely caught grew to be about a foot and a half in length and weighed about five to six pounds per fish. Okay, these were popular for consumption because they were actually really easy to cook. They lay flat, they have a few bones and an easily removable spine. So we don't know exactly the size of these fish, but we know that there were 153 of them. And we know that they were large, which means these guys just caught somewhere around 750 pounds of fish. You guys, this would have been like a totally Instagrammable moment. They were just fishing all night, no success, and then boom, Jesus shows up and they catch 750 pounds of fish. Are you kidding me? That's a miracle. And then 
we see Jesus asks them to have breakfast with them. He says, come, come and have breakfast. Come and have breakfast on the shore. And no one had to say anything. They knew who they were with. They knew that they were with the Lord. And we cannot miss verse 9. Let's put verse 9 back up there. Look at where they are. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus had a fire going. They're about to have breakfast with Jesus around a fire. Do you remember the last time that we saw Peter standing around a fire? Just one week earlier, Peter was at a fire on the night that Jesus was arrested. And something happened around that fire. Do you remember? Let's go back together. On the night before Jesus was crucified, Peter was standing around a fire with servants and officials to the high priest who had just arrested Jesus. Peter and the disciples on this night would have been filled with fear for what was about to happen to Jesus, but not just to Jesus, what was about to happen to them? Like they saw these things happening to Jesus and they must have wondered, what is our fate? Is that about to happen to us? And it was on this night, standing around a fire with servants and officials to the high priest, that Peter was recognized as having been with Jesus. Look what happened when a servant girl called him out. You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. It was cold and the servants and officials stood around a fire that they had made to keep warm. Peter was also standing with them, warming himself. On the night that Jesus was arrested, Peter denied knowing Jesus altogether. And he didn't just do it once. It wasn't just like a quick slip up. No, he did it three times throughout the night. You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? No. Weren't you with him in the garden? No, not me. Are you sure you're not one of this man's followers? I don't know the man. Peter messed up. He denied knowing Jesus three times. He denied relationship. He denied knowing him. He denied his connection. And then he stuck around long enough to hang by the fire with these guys to warm up. Peter messed up. But before you come down too hard on Peter, you need to know that Peter knew Jesus. Peter loved Jesus. He never thought he would deny him. He was trying so hard, in fact, to follow him. He made it all the way to the high priest's courtyard. But the pressure was high. The pressure was so high, in fact, that he caved and he lost it and he denied knowing Jesus. I imagine that he must have been scared for his life. He must have been nervous. And after he denied Jesus maybe even embarrassed. So what did he do? He went back to his old life. He went back to doing what he was doing before he even knew Jesus. He went back to his life as a fisherman. 
And now, jumping back into 21, John 21, we see that Peter is again standing around a fire. Only this time, he's with Jesus. Do you think he might have remembered what happened one week earlier? Because I'm betting he did. I'm betting that Peter got to the shore, saw that fire, and immediately remembered what he did. That he was probably flooded with the memory of how he just one week before this denied Jesus three times standing around a fire. And now he's like having a meal with Jesus. Let me ask you, have you ever been at a meal with someone, sitting down with someone, and you know that you offended this person in some way, you know that you messed up in some capacity, and you know that there's a possibility that a really uncomfortable conversation is coming, and you're just hoping, oh, like I hope that topic does not come up around this meal. Like, ugh, like I I can't even eat, I just need to get through this. I wonder if that's what Peter might have been feeling like. I wonder if every bite was a struggle to swallow. You know, the the text, it, it doesn't tell us what they talked about over breakfast, but I wonder if Peter would have even been able to pay attention or if his mind would have been swirling, just thinking, how could I have done that? I am like the worst. I am such a screw up. What came over me? How could I have denied Jesus? You know, there are plenty of stories and moments in the Bible that are hard for me to relate to, hard for me to imagine it. But this, this is not one of them. I know what it feels like to screw up. I know what it feels like to physically cringe, to remember things that I've said, to remember things that I've done. That feeling when all you wanna do is like curl up and just try to forget it but it's like you can't escape it. It's like it follows you. Isn't it true that we've all had moments like this? I mean, I I could tell you stories and times even recently of how I've blown it with AJ, with other people that I love, how I did something, said something that I regret, and I'm telling you, just the thought of it, it makes me cringe. How could I have done that? Have you ever had a moment like this? Have you ever said or done something and you're like, oh, how could I have done that? And it's like you can't escape it. Now, I don't know for sure, but I imagine that Peter might have been feeling something like this. Like, how could I have done this? How could I have denied Jesus three times? And remember, it's, it's not just Peter and Jesus standing around the fire right now. No, all the other guys are there too. They're all standing around the fire. And these guys, they know what happened. They know how Peter denied Jesus three times in the high priest's courtyard. But you know what? Other than John, these other guys, they didn't even make it that far. They didn't even make it. And in the end, every one of them deserted Jesus. In the end, not one of them expected for Jesus to rise from the dead. And now they are all sitting around a fire, having a meal. 
honestly, I imagine it could have been pretty tense. <laughs> like everyone might have been just a little bit on edge, just hoping that Jesus wouldn't bring up that topic about how they all kind of blew it in some way in the end. You see, in our world, we don't leave a lot of room for screwing up, right? We don't give out second chances very quickly. In our world, when we mess up, well, often we just get canceled, right? I'm talking about cancel culture. It's everywhere, we see this. One slip up in our world can cost you everything. It can cost you your reputation, your relationships, your followers, your business, your influence, your social standing. We get canceled. And when that happens, there's like no just getting back in. Cancel culture is so ingrained in our world that sometimes I think we may even be a part of it without even realizing it. We are not great at extending a second chance. We are not great at leaving room for screwing up. But it's not like that with Jesus. Hmm. It's not like that with Jesus. No, Jesus is different. Look at this. Before all of this took place, before Peter denied Jesus a single time, Jesus predicted that Peter would, was going to deny him. Look at what we read here. This is before it took place. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. You guys, Jesus knew. He knew that Peter was going to deny him. Peter boldly declared, I, I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus is like, Real, really? Actually, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And look, that's exactly what happened. Here's what we read. Again, Peter denied it. This was the third denial. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. Peter denied Jesus for the third time. You know, you would think that Jesus wouldn't want anything to do with Peter, anything to do with you, anything to do with me for all of the ways that we've blown it, that he would cancel us, that we would in some way become disqualified, that he would view us differently. But it's not like that with Jesus. It's not like that with Jesus. Jesus is not surprised by our failures. He's not caught off guard. No, he's all in with you. Maybe you haven't heard of this Jesus, but this is the real Jesus. He's invested everything in you. And even when we mess up and even when we cringe just to remember the things that we've done, he is always standing in your corner and he will never, ever stop loving you. Jesus won't cancel you. Jesus won't disqualify you. He will love you. We keep reading in the story. We're about to see the conversation that takes place between Peter and Jesus. Let's, let's read that now. When they had finished eating... Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. 
Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him for the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. You guys, this could not have been the conversation that Peter was expecting to have with Jesus in this moment. Jesus didn't say to him, you know, Peter, can you just like, can you walk me through it? Like, how did you, what happened in, in the courtyard? How, how did you deny me? Can you just give me some perspective how you could blow it so badly? No, not at all. In fact, Jesus didn't seem all too concerned with what had happened. He seemed interested in one thing and one thing only. Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? That's it. That's all it has ever been. All Jesus has ever wanted is for Peter to get this one thing in his head that Jesus wants to be the center of his life. He wants to be the center of his life, so he says, do you love me? Now we read in verse 17, we read that Peter was hurt because he was asked for the third time, do you love me? And that makes sense, right? The third time had significance. Peter was probably remembering the third time that he had denied Jesus. It was a painful memory. But Jesus was using that painful memory and he was rewriting it in order to restore, Jesus, restore Peter as his follower. He was rewriting that painful memory. Jesus goes on, we read in verse 18, what he says to Peter. He says, very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Jesus is saying, look, Peter, your life is different now. Like when you were young, you were a fisherman. You used to be in your boat. You used to fish for fish, but you don't need to go back to your boat now. That's your old life. This is your new life. And now you're going to fish for people. And one day, Peter, you're going to die. You're going to be crucified, in fact. And God is going to be glorified through it. Jesus is saying, look, Peter, I know every single thing about you. I know everything that's ever happened to you since you were young. I know everything that's coming to you. I know your future. I even know how you're going to die. Now would you follow me? This is not new. This is the same call from Luke chapter five at their very first meeting. Jesus is saying, Peter, would you follow me? Would you follow me with your whole heart with your whole life. We now know that Peter responded to this call, that he went on to become a true fisher of people just as Jesus first called him to. He spoke boldly. He led thousands of people to faith in Christ. He became and he is a great pillar in our faith today. 
But early on, Peter messed up and he went back to his old life. He went back to his old life as a fisherman. And Jesus, he called him back out. He called him back out to follow him. He restored him and he gave him a mission. And I wonder, you know, what is it for us? What is it that we turn to? What is it for you that is just so familiar that you can just easily go back to it, easily slide back into your old life, your old ways of living? Maybe for you, maybe you just go back to what's comfortable, what's easy, what we know, right? For, for some of us today, this is, this is the thing. There's something comfortable that you're going back to. That is your boat. That is what you're going back to. But for others today, this has been a really hard year, am I right? It's been a really hard year. And some of us have gone back to other things, things like that relationship or a website or a habit or trying to watch Netflix all the time just to make the time keep going faster. Just like Peter, Jesus is calling us out of our old life. He's calling us into new life. He's calling us to follow him. We saw today in John 21 that Peter, he got mixed up. And it seems like he thought he was somehow disqualified because of it. And look, if this could happen to Peter a guy who lived with Jesus, a guy who saw his miracles, a guy who came face to face with the risen king. If he could lose sight of his purpose, I'm pretty sure it could happen to you and me. We can lose sight of our purpose, right? Sometimes we blow it and we cringe. We cringe at our failures and we can get mixed up and we can go back. We can go backwards to our old life. Peter went back to his boat. We go back to other things. This isn't just some story in the Bible. This is my story. This is your story. And some of you right now listening in this room or watching someplace online, you are on the verge right now of going back to something that's comfortable for you. Maybe it's not sin, but it's comfortable. It's part of your old life. And I'm talking to you right now. Jesus wants to rewrite whatever it is that you're doing. He wants to rewrite it. I'm telling you, don't go back to your old ways of living. Don't go back to your old life because you will find more purpose in following Jesus than anything that this world could ever offer you. What we see in John 21 is that it just doesn't matter how many times we blow it. It doesn't matter how many times we go backwards to our old ways of living. God loves you. He loves you. And I get it that for some of you today, this is a completely different Jesus than you've ever pictured. You're like, who is this Jesus? That doesn't sound like my Christian friends. That doesn't sound at all like the Jesus I grew up with. This is the real Jesus. He loves you more than you can possibly imagine. And I believe he's calling your name from the shore today. He's saying, I love you. Would you follow me? I've got plans for your life. Would you follow me? Would you put your trust in me? Follow me. 
He will never cancel you. He will never disqualify you. He is all in with you. And what does he want from us? One thing, the same thing that he wanted from Peter, for us to follow him, for us to love him, and for us to pursue him. Everybody standing around that fire would have had questions for Peter. What were you thinking? How could you do that? I mean, this is Jesus. How could you deny Jesus? But not Jesus. He's a God who knows everything about us, and he will never, ever give up on you, no matter how you mess up, no matter how many times you go backwards. He loves you. The question is, how are we going to respond? Let me pray for us. God, I thank you so much um, for this opportunity to worship together, to be reminded, and to be encouraged, Lord, that no matter what we've done, no matter where we've landed, no matter where we are today, Lord, you're ready to meet with us. God, I thank you that you are a God who never ever gives up on us. And I pray that if someone needs to hear that today, if someone needs to know that you're in their corner, that you've never left, that you've always been there, God, I pray that they would be encouraged by that reality today. I thank you so much, Jesus, for the example that you have made for us in Peter's life. And I pray, Lord, that for all of us, we would come out and meet with you. We would follow you. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name, amen.